This is how we overcome it. Moving on, keep it up. Reaching to the world. Arms open, arms open, yeah. This is how we practice. Well, welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Sarah. I'm Erica. And I'm Steve. So friends, we are a few weeks into a new series. Um, Earlier this summer, we were looking at things that we thought were in the Bible that aren't necessarily in the Bible. (laughs) And and to stick on that, what is and is in the Bible kind of like theme. Um, We've been spending the last few weeks talking about uh, where hymns come from and the biblical references to various hymns that we um, as as people just love and we love how um, the hymn connects with scripture so we looked at we started off with Christmas in July um, <laughs> with Go Tell It on the Mountain and then last week we looked at Here I Am Lord and so where are we taking the, our series this week Steve? Today I get to speak about one of my favorite hymns that I'm just going to lay some cards on the table this is on my list for something I would like sung at my own future funeral so anybody listening who's involved in planning my funeral this is on the list um this is a text called oh love that will not let me go the text was written by George uh, Matheson and uh, he lived in the late uh, 19th century so the text that goes back to the late 1800s um, and the melody sort of has that vibe sort of uh, of that era as far as the traditional melody is paired with um, the opening verse goes oh love that will not let me go I rest my weary soul in thee I give thee back the life I owe that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer fuller be um, and this is a text that um for a lot of people, it has that vibe of being like a kind of sad thinking about death kind of a feel to it because the verses have a lot to do with like, I'm at the, at this point of handing my, my flickering torch to thee, one verse says, you know, and sort of like, it's like my life is, is ending, but I'm trusting that I'm in your hands, God. So sometimes people are not crazy about this hymn because it feels kind of sad and it's sort of a reflection on it, it sort of has that Paul cast over it of oh every time I hear this it makes me think of you know a death or a funeral um like I don't know in your settings but often I note like when we sing abide with me that's one that a lot of people instantly their their brains go oh I know this song oh I know it from funerals or uh, how great thou art people go oh I love that song oh but the reason I know it so well is that we always sing this at funerals <laughs> um and there is a whole, you know, crop of hymns that are like that. Um, for me, the thing that I keep coming back to is that opening phrase, the notion of that God's love will not let us go. Um, and so that that's something I, I just keep coming back to. I absolutely love this first verse. I'm not very familiar with mm-hmm. this hymn, mm-hmm. um, but I can see where it'd be really appropriate as a funeral hymn yeah. with, especially I rest my weary soul in, in thee, yeah. but I expect, especially love the line of I give thee back the life I yep. owe yep. of yep. everything that we have, including our own life was given to us by God. Yeah. And there's a certain point where we're just stewards of what we've yep. been given and we're going to have to give all of it back. Yep. And so I, I love that reminder of this life that I have is not my own. It was yep. given to me by God, and I'm going to give it back. Um, it, it it has echoes of something similar that I have heard pastors and priests remind themselves of, like, this is not our church. Yeah, This is God's church. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that one of the popes recently, um, 
has a pretty famous thing that when he goes to sleep at night, he yeah, and he says, um, not my church, but your church. It's in your hands. I'm going to go I'm to bed. I'm going to bed. John the twenty third. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> I, it, I don't know, but there's something about this line of "I give thee back the life I owe." Yeah. Kind of reminds me of just kind of that idea of like. Yeah all of the worries and cares that we are carrying, whether it's about the church or something in the world or our life, it's something that we can put down for a minute because it's not ours. Like we're just taking care of it, but ultimately it's not ours. There's a line of the late Irma Bombex that stayed with me over the years. And the gist goes like, I expect that when I get to glory, whatever that looks like that I, I want to be able to say to God, look, I used it all up. I got nothing left. I, everything you gave me, I, I, I used it all like that sense of like mm-hmm. that uh, a candle is meant to spend all of the wax and that if it burns too hot, too fast, it, it had more that it could have given except that, it, that to like, for me, that's, that's a recurring reminder about like, the goal is not to burn out in life, but to offer up all that we've got. And cause everything is God's in the first place. And to me, it's, that's such a great example of how rich a hymn text this is that even though for me, it's that opening line that gets me that, image a little bit later on i give thee back the life i owe has a depth all its own or in the the second verse uh goes O light that follow us all my way i lead my i yield my flickering torch to thee oh i'm sorry it's the third one that I, I'm, I'm wanting to hold on to uh the third verse goes oh joy that seeketh me through pain i cannot close my heart to thee i trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain that morn shall tearless be and again, like to me, there's something beautiful about man. There's a whole bunch of uh, biblical references just around, like there's the rainbow and the promise and that. Oh, but also the just the very nature of the metaphor of rainbows only happen when there is rain. And so there's this awareness mm-hmm. of like not treating, oh, life is all stormy. But like, nope, I'm trusting God promises this life beyond death. God promises faithfulness. Um and there's there's just such richness throughout the verses of this text that I find myself like caught off guard by different phrases at different times. That flickering torch verse from two yeah, that you started yeah. to quote, Steve, like really is just I, I keep reading over that verse because like there, I'm not terribly familiar with the same. I, I know the melody. Um and I know the first verse. Yeah. But th- there's something about that that just Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't describe it yet, but it yeah. just, it's sticking with me hard. I think, la- I think to me, like, because uh, I, I, I was very excited that you're going to talk about this verse and then oh, you quickly sorry. switched to verse three. <laughs> sorry, I was like, I'm oh no, uh, it's fine. Uh, Cause we're going to make you talk about it now. Um, <laughs> you know, that second verse of, oh, light that followeth all my way. I yeah. yield my flickering torch to thee. Like, yeah. there's just something about like, it's not my light it's god's light Mm -hmm. that is the most important thing and so like it's either like yielding your own light to god or like making it so that like pointing to like the bigger light that is not you but like yeah that is god it's i I think it's beautiful like this is i think we've talked a couple of times about how hymns is is a type of poetry yeah and i think that this hymn Mm-hmm. exemplifies that like mm-hmm. the imagery yeah. that it, it like it's so rich in images yeah. and it's so poetic and it's it's beautiful like the the lyrics to this hymn is just absolutely outstandingly beautiful yeah the other thing I love about the way that metaphor works about that our light is always borrowed like you say it's sort of it's a reminder it doesn't start with us 
Mm-hmm. And like, it makes me think of that moment when in the beginning of our liturgy, you know, the acolyte is lighting all the candles and you start with, especially like at Eastertide, when you light the candles from the Paschal candle. So like, here's this image of here's Christ, who's the light. And all of our lights are just borrowed off of that. Or even the imagery of <clears throat> all the moon's light is, is just bounced off sunlight, you know? So like that the, the moon has its own light, but it doesn't generate it. It's all borrowed and it's beautiful. And that notion of that all our lives maybe is meant to be just borrowed light. Um, so yeah, there just in that phrase, there's something really powerful and, and beautiful. Yeah. The last. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to kind of like, yeah, this is so beautiful and rich in imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, but are any of these images drawn from scripture? Yeah. Well, yeah. This is this is a, a great question. To me, that opening phrase is almost like a distillation of like the heart of what the gospel really means. To me, I hear that as almost a commentary on Romans 8, that famous passage, again, often at funerals, but where Paul sort of gets into this laundry list of nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And then he, for some reason, Paul thinks it's very important to start rattling off possible things that might be candidates to separate us. And he goes, nope, not height, nor depth, not things present, not things past, not angels, not rulers, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Um, and so for me, this feels like it is a poetic way of getting at what Paul says there without making it feel like a laundry list of like, God's love won't let go of us. Um, and to me, that feels so, so much like over and over and over again, the recurring theme is when we turn our back on God, God doesn't turn God's back on us. When we bail out and turn out, there's this, there's this other passage in, um, I think it's in one of the Timothys where there is, and it almost feels like the, the writer is quoting an earlier poem or or maybe even an earlier hymn. And one of the things I love about that passage is there's this, this unexpected twist. There's a place in, um, I want to say it's 2 Timothy. Let me find it real quick because it just sort of comes to mind here. But there's this place where um, the writer says, where'd it go? Okay, uh, in, in chapter 2, 2 Timothy, the saying is sure. So clearly he's quoting something that exists. If we've died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure it, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless and you expect it to go, well, he'll be faithless to us. But he goes, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot mm-hmm. deny himself. There's this like, even when we walk away, God doesn't walk away from us. Um, and to me, like that's over and over and over again. It's, you know, it's every story. It's the prodigal son. Uh, it's it's uh, Jesus who welcomes back uh, Peter after denying three times that he knew him um it's over and over and over again we keep bailing out on god and god refuses to let go of us so to me like this is like one of those places that it's not just a single passage but like the whole scripture reverberates with this notion that god doesn't let go of us no matter what and then on other individual passages in this uh hymn as rich as it is feel like they're little echoes but to me like this is romans 8 this is ephesians 2 you know that like um uh, for by grace you've been saved, and this is not your own doing, but this is even God's given us the, the faith to believe that it. it's in the end about God's hold on us rather than about our grip on God. Um, or Jesus saying to the disciples in the upper room in John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you. Like there's this like turning of the tables of you thought that you were signing up to be my volunteers. Nope, I picked you first and I won't let go of you. That ultimately is, is our hope. 
I mean, I know what it's like to be the squirmy kid who wants to get out of his parents' grip and know that what <laughs> what would have flattened me in front of traffic, uh, what what kept me from that is that uh, people held on to my on uh, onto me rather than me holding on to them. So to me, like that that's at the heart of what this hymn is about. I I especially I I love framing this from Romans eight. Like I think mm -hmm. that that's a really good helpful framework. Um, and I know that we've talked about like verses one through three, uh, but verse four, which is the concluding verse, mm -hmm. I think is such, it, you know, it begins with, oh, cross that lifted up my head. Yeah. You know, I feel like that is such a great example of like, well, what is God's love like? Yeah. God's love is like this. God's love is so deep that God was willing to become human yeah. and to die mm -hmm. for us, for our yeah. sins. Yeah. Um, but and that the, that's the type of love that is not letting us go. The, the yeah, and that, that that imagery of the love that won't let us go isn't forceful. I mean, I may, may, or or um, it's not it's not manipulative or coercive. Maybe and may, maybe that's that's a really good point to lift up because you could hear I won't let you go and boy that could sound like it's abusive, right? I mean, like how many people who've had to flee abusive spouses? Well, they wouldn't let me go. Like, and it feels like it can be like imprisoning almost. And the rest of this hymn sort of makes it clear it's it's not like that. It's not like God's like. Uh, you have to stay here uh, trapped in this cell forever. Otherwise, dangerous things would happen, right? This isn't like being trapped in a bunker or Rapunzel up in a tower or something like that um, with the abuser saying, I only have to do this to you because I love you so much. But rather, like, no matter how many times you walk away, no matter how many times it gets hard, no matter how many times it's painful, I won't let go of you. I won't bail out on you. Um, and yet that it's, it's ultimately that God's love is clearest in the cross in the willingness to endure pain on our behalf or endure grief on our behalf with us and among us not a controlling sort of manipulative coercive kind of a i won't let you go that kind of thing i guess the other thing that makes that clear to me the rest of that verse that feels like it is the closest to slaying death in the face the rest of that verse goes i lay in dust life's glory dead and there from the ground there blossoms red life that shall endless be so that like this isn't a hymn that's about because God's got me, nothing bad will happen, or God's got me, so I won't have to go through death. But it's like, God's got me, and even at the point I've spent everything I've got, and I'm at that point where I've given back my flickering torch, and I've given me back the life I own. In other words, I've died, that that's not the last word. That God insists that even there from the ground, when I'm, I'm in the ground, their life springs up. And so there's that image of that death doesn't get the last word. Uh, like like uh, Frederick Buechner says, whatever resurrection means, it means that the worst thing isn't the last thing. Um, and to me, all that's hanging there in the background in this hymn text, and it's willing to do it like staring in the face that, yeah, at some point, each of us is at the end of our life story and that we don't have to be afraid because, and to me, this gets back that we've talked about this before, I think, in our series on death and dying, uh, that death is just the point at which I can't hold on to my life anymore. It is not the point at which God can't hold on to my life anymore. And uh, this line that sticks in my head from uh, Robert Farrar Capon as a reflection, where Midrash, you might say, on the uh, Lazarus story, that when Lazarus dies, what he loses is his ability to hold on to his life. He does manifestly does not lose Jesus' ability to hold on to his life. Um, so for me, that's become a really helpful way of thinking and processing through, especially with other people in pastoral care situations, what death is. That we don't have to make euphemisms about death and say, you know, that like treat it like it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's sad. It's the point at which I can't hold on to my life anymore. But it's not the point at which God lets go. God has held on to me. So that's why I like this hymn and that's where it comes from. <laughs>
Yeah, I think that this is such a beautiful hymn. So thank you, Steve, for sharing this with us. Mm -hmm. I'm, again, I'm not super familiar with this, so I'm probably going to have to go and listen to it later and wonder now in the moment of like, oh, this is going to get stuck in my head too. <laughs> it, it's interesting that, I, I like I say, I first became familiar with this hymn probably when I was in seminary. And it wasn't long after that that I first got to know um, a band. They've now both gone on into pastoral ministry. Um, but um, uh, Jamie and, uh, I'm sorry, Joel and Amy Pakin used to be a traveling Lutheran band called Tangled Blue. We used to, we'd had them out for a couple of concerts out our way in the congregations I served. I first met them doing a youth gathering out in Washington State, out in eastern Washington, Idaho. And the first time I heard they played a, a song of, of, of theirs that riffs on this title, uh, I was like, well, we must bring them in concert. I need to hear the song again. They have a song off their first album called I Will Not Let You Go. And um, the refrain goes, no matter what, no matter what may come, no matter what may come, I will not let you go. It's just that over and over again. And the middle verse of that song, um, I, I heard the, the, the singer Joel talking about what, what uh, prompted them to write this song. And he said, the second verse is about the crankiest person we ever met who was a baby being baptized. Because the second verse goes, um, child bitter with rage, blind and broken under this weight. Seek me first and you will find righteousness for your heart and peace for your mind. I came to find you in me, you will be found. But is this image of like how God's love seeks us out even at our crankiest and most ornery when we are babies. Uh, and that, like there's that God's grace wraps around us even in infancy, you know, in the waters of baptism. And the third verse of their song goes, this love is for you no matter what you do. It does not depend on who you are or where you've been on what you've said or what you have seen. And then it ends with that. No matter what may come, I will not let you go. So like I hear both of those songs side by side in my mind. Now there's this, you know, old 1800s hymn with that imagery and this contemporary writer um, with that same image of the thing that, that gives us hope. The thing that, that we hold on to is that God holds on to us and won't let go. So like I, I, as old as, as sort of um, of its era, as this text is and the melody is, I, I can't help but hear it uh, alongside new other voices who've taken that image, that metaphor and run with it. I think that's something that good poetry does too, that it inspires, oh, I love that image. I bet I could play with that for a while too. And I bet we keep singing new songs, new ideas, riffing off old ideas. So we're going to invite you to join us in more conversation next time as we take a look at other hymns and where they come from in the scriptures and how they deepen our thinking of the faith next time here on Crazy Faith Talk. See you Bye. 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 Bye.